Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. And welcome. I am your host, Josh Carter. Uh, Carmen is out this summer, all summer. We, we miss her dearly. We can't wait to hear her lovely voice back in the fall. But you are listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast right here on the Startup Radio Network. Every week, if you are unfamiliar, we talk to amazing founders doing incredible things that just happen to have one extra thing on their resume, and that is service to our country. And this week, we have a returning guest, Eric uh, Caceres of Green Ledger CPA, which is now called Pro Advisor CPA, and we'll talk all about that. But welcome back to the program, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be back and great to talk with you this time, Josh. And uh, I know we know each other a little bit outside of this uh, podcast, so it's cool to talk with you again. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, in the veteran entrepreneur space, it's a pretty small community. And, you know, typically we run into each other. You live in the Bay, down in the Bay Area. I'm from the Bay Area. And so I spend a lot of time, I go down there quite frequently. In fact, I'll be down there next week. But uh, but we've intersected a bunch of times. For our listeners that haven't, they didn't hear you on the last uh, episode, let's, let's chat a little bit about your past. Like what drew you into the Army and why the Special Forces? Uh, well, what drew me into the army? I actually uh, went to a, a a college in North Carolina that provided a survival and disaster relief program. It was a year long program, um, and that's kind of something I wanted to do is be part of like small teams that can go out and do things that other people can't do, and you know help people, uh, whether it's uh, save them from their current environment or you know get them to safety or whatever that thing is. That's kind of what I wanted to do when I got out of high school. Um, so in that program is actually where I met my wife, Rebecca. She did the program with me. And one of the leaders of the program happened to be an Army Special Forces Green Beret at the time. And so when I found out about that, um, I thought that might be an interesting road to travel. Um, basically, decision was made because uh, I had a lot of people in my peer group who um, would talk about supporting the troops and talk about supporting kind of our war efforts and all that stuff we do against terrorism. But nobody seemed to actually want to do anything about it. Nobody would join the military. Nobody would join law enforcement. Nobody had, it, they wanted to support them with their words and not their actions. And I, I kind of felt deep down that I needed to at least have some time in my life where I supported our country and kind of what's been provided to us with my actions. That's awesome. Why special forces? Why, why take it to that extreme? Because I, you know, I, I was in the Navy and I had the same sense of community and, and purpose and wanted to go in and, 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 uh, and support my country. Um, but I, I don't know that I wanted to do something that extreme. And I've dealt with special forces guys uh, in the Navy. I've, I've been around them several times and there's a different mentality. What, what possessed you to want to get into spe the special forces community? Well, I think it's a little bit of the mindset that I grew up with either that my parents trained me on or something that I maybe just kind of fell into with my personality and it's mm -hmm. just that drive to continue to get better at whatever you're doing. And so even as a kid, anytime I, you know, you got me behind the wheel of a car, I wanted to figure out how far and fast that car could go. <laughs> you know, I'd build up <laughs> motors and try to make it the best car I could. Um, 
uh, sports. I played sports and I wanted to be, you know, the best player on the team. And I wanted to be on the starting lineup and be on the varsity team. And, and, uh, then it took it beyond that and played club sports and, and just continued to push myself. And I think that mentality followed me into the military where I started as a, you know, regular knuckle dragging infantry guy in 82nd. Um, but I never was satisfied with the status quo. I always had to kind of look ahead and say, well, what could I be more? You know, could I, is it better to become a, you know, become an NCO and then maybe go to a different unit that's even more specialized? What else is out there? And so that's, I always try to pursue just kind of being better at what I was currently doing at the time. What do you think you learned the most about yourself going through that process? Uh, I would say I learned, (laughs) well, that's a loaded question. I learned a lot. Um, I think maybe the biggest thing I learned about myself is just to slow down and have patience, to be honest. Yeah. And then where did you serve while you were in? Where where did you, where'd you get to go? Uh, yeah, I went to, uh, I did combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I also did things, uh, other types of deployments to, uh, the Southern region of South Central America. Yeah. Wow. The shit you must have seen, my friend. We can, uh, we can grab a drink someday. (laughs) Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about your transition. So you get out of the military, you get out of the army. What was life like for you? I know when I got out, um, it was hard for me to kind of find my direction. What was that transition for you? Yeah, that was pretty tough. I, uh, we like to say that I spent a, a decade being a superstar, right? Every, everyone in the family, I have three kids on so I'm married with three kids and, and it seemed like the family's direction was always my direction, which was always dictated by the military, right? The military told me to move. I moved and the family supported my move. They told me to deploy. Then they had to fall in suit with, uh, with what I was doing. So to me, my first thing was I looked at my wife and said, Hey, I, the last 10 years, you kind of sat on the bench for me. Let's switch, you know, I'll, I'm getting out so I can spend time with my children and they can get to know their dad. And, um, and I want to make sure that you're the all-star and that you get to do kind of pursue your goals. Um, and so that's why we ended up, one of the reasons we ended up creating our firm. Nice. And so out of that process of transitioning out and starting your firm, what did you learn? What did you take away from the military that helped you become a better entrepreneur? Um, well, there's a lot of things. You know, I think maybe, obviously, you know, the cliche, right? Discipline, hard work, all that stuff. Um, I think maybe the biggest thing that comes from that mentality is just the mentality not to quit. Uh, I think entrepreneurship can be very difficult, especially within the first one, two years. And unfortunately, I, I think a lot of reasons why small businesses or small companies go under real quick is because a lot of people just quit. They quit too early and they quit too soon and they don't give it enough effort or enough time to fully bloom and blossom and become that business that they had a envision for. So yeah, I would, I would say that. And then the other one would be a little bit of maturity, I think helps. Mm-hmm. I think me dealing with foreign, you know, dignitaries and, and whatnot, and some of the things I had to do and, and, you know, present to people I had to present to, whether they were generals of our country or generals of other countries, um, I think helps in business when you, you know, you think you're young in business and you start with your first year, but yet you're talking to maybe <laughs> the CEO of some really big company. Uh, I think those experiences helped. Yeah. I'll take that even a little a step further. I think a lot of founders who are new to the entrepreneurial process tend to 
get in their own heads. They don't know how to pivot quickly. They don't know how to be uncomfortable. Um, and on top of that, they, they don't know how to contextualize challenges. Whereas folks in the military, especially folks like you who have gone through a tremendous amount of adversity have all of those elements. They, they know how to pivot really quickly. They know how to do more with less. They know how to stay calm under pressure. They know how to handle things and they know how to contextualize things and put things in perspective. So I think what makes an incredible veteran entrepreneur, all those elements wrapped in and then just sort of understanding, uh, you know, the problem really well. We've talked about that a lot in our program. I think the one thing we haven't talked about is what do you think, make make veterans bad entrepreneurs well i think it may be just as many things as what makes them good entrepreneurs um <laughs> I, I unfortunately i think a lot of veterans and, and i think you can find this in other kind of uh sectors right or other sure. uh, specialized segments of people who kind of group together and i think some veterans that will group together and they'll they'll do the the veteran card right uh, yeah. Purchase my products because I'm a veteran. You know, partner with me because I'm a veteran. You know, all these things for veterans, and and I think they forget that the veteran component is just a piece of their story. It's not their business, and they rely too much on that. I think that's a mistake. Uh, yeah. Or like a good example of that uh, would be going to only veteran events. Well, I'm a veteran business owner, so I only go to veteran events. And it's like, well, no. Is your target market <laughs> is your target market veterans? Because if it is, that's right. one thing. But if your target market is, you know, maybe if you're a hair salon and you do people's hair, like your target market isn't just veterans; it's all sorts of people. You know, mm-hmm. so getting out of that kind of uh, maybe bubble, I think, is is a struggle for some people. Yeah, and what I've noticed a lot about veteran uh, entrepreneurs is that as they're transitioning, they don't have a tremendous network, so maybe that's where they land. But, you know, they'll land at a community that that looks like them or talks like them. But then, you know, it's really important to to broaden your scope and widen your aperture and and get into other other communities that have very similar struggles to what you're going through. And and entrepreneurs, you know, being a veteran entrepreneur, you you break that wall down pretty quickly. Uh, But there are, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs out there that that can really help. So that's really cool. Um, Talk a little bit about what what problem were you solving when you started your first company? What, what, who was the customer and what problem were you trying to solve? Yeah, well, actually, my, my first company was a web design company uh, that I started alongside with my father. And um, that's kind of where I made a lot of mistakes. And it's a little bit of where I got the the push to start this firm with my wife. And now we have two separate backgrounds. So she comes from the accounting space where she's a CPA and all that stuff. And so she has, you know, her decade plus of experience working in public accounting firms and working for, you know, doing accounting and taxes and payroll for small businesses and medium-sized businesses. And so we both came at it from different angles. Uh, my approach, and this was kind of the pillow talk conversation, uh, you know, my approach was, I know you're an accountant, all this stuff. I'm a business owner, and here's the things I wish that you or and or your firm or the, any other firms that I've worked with could do for me. And it was always conversations like that. Why can't they talk to me? Why can't they do this? Why is everything billed hourly? Why is it during the most the busiest time of the year for me, which isn't just the busiest time for you as a tax person or an accountant, but also for me as a business owner, why can't I get my information or a conversation to help me make a decision today? Little, little things like that 
And then on her side of the spectrum, it was more of the internal stuff. She saw how poorly that these firms actually did business with their clients. Uh, she saw how poorly the internal uh, operations were ran. She saw how poorly the security was in a lot of these firms. She saw uh, how high the turnover rate is in a lot of these firms and people just coming and going. And and so we both came at it from two perspectives going, there's a better way that a firm in this industry can treat its customers and provide its services to business owners. There's also a better way that they can treat their employees and run an action and have a good internal culture where people aren't quitting every other month. And that's right. why we started our company. And how did you acquire new customers? Was it mostly word of mouth? Did you guys do marketing? How, what was that process for you? Uh, well, we started with, so here's the one thing. A lot of people that start professional services firms, they work at a company and then they bring over a book of clients, right? Sure. Yep. That's not what we did. We did maybe what you would consider your typical SaaS startup in a sense, where we didn't have any clients. We just started from scratch from nothing because we wanted to make sure that each client we got was the right fit for the type of services we're offering. Um, so which makes it more difficult, right? Uh, so the yep. things we did to get started was we got ourselves out there. We went to networking events, we went to trade shows, we applied for grants, we applied for competitions. We didn't just go to local events, we went to events across the country because our services are provided across the country. So we went traveled to new york and we traveled to uh texas and you know wherever else we went to a lot of places uh yeah we also online local seo we, we put a lot of information online we, we put out a lot of good valuable free content um and it was a lot of work up front and then once we got one client then it was a second client and a third client and then it kind of seemed like we didn't have to do as much of some of the other stuff we were doing once we started kind of getting the snowball effect happening and what did you learn from that process? What What are some things that you would have done differently had you known earlier in the process? Oh, man. I don't know if there's much I would have done differently. Um, I like learning through tribulation a little bit, right? I think we need to learn those mistakes. Otherwise, we're going to make them at some point. So sure. I like the idea of messing up. We've been listening to Eric Caceres from Pro Advisor Marketing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in a moment. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. Bridges to Change's mission is to strengthen individuals and families affected by addictions, mental health, poverty, and homelessness. They use their voice and resources to stand up to all forms of discrimination, mass incarceration, barriers to health care, and inequitable economic opportunities. Bridges to Change's goal is to empower people to be self-sufficient and become members of the community, who in turn offer the same opportunities to help others. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to health care, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. And we're back. We're talking to Eric Caceres from Pro Advisor Marketing. We're kind of talking about the journey into selling. I want to talk about this company used to be called Green Ledger CPA. Why the name change? Well, so yeah, so we changed Green Ledger CPA to ProAdvisor CPA. Um, what ended up happening is we thought we had a pretty creative uh, concept with Green Ledger CPA coming from kind of the historical accounting ledgers, which were Green Ledgers, um, and so on and so forth. But what we found over a few years was people continued to associate us with Green, like the, mm. the mm, Green initiatives, right? Uh, 
things like that, like organic food and all this kind of stuff. And, or honestly, a lot of uh, people thought we were in, we were uh, like a CPA firm for um, the cannabis industry. And, and the message wasn't quite getting across that we're actually your advisor. We don't just you know help you with your books and, you know, some of that other stuff, your taxes and payroll, but we're actually here to help advise your business to the right direction, point you in the right direction, help you become successful. Um, and so we kind of went back and did a lot of, uh, coming to Jesus moments, I guess, with the team. And so that spun us out to pro advisor CPA because pro advisor and pro advising is actually what we do for our clients. And we wanted to make sure that was clear up front and that we didn't get confused with any other companies that weren't actually what we did. If that makes sense. That makes total sense. How important do you think then is it that entrepreneurs really take a close look at their brand because sometimes like you said this had unintended consequences of sort of pigeonholing you into this industry that you had no intention really aggressively pursuing yeah you know and it's branding is extremely important um and you even mentioned that ProAdvisor marketing is actually another firm that i helped someone stand up um because i used to be in the web design and marketing world and uh, I found I had worked with a young lady who was a uh, accountant, uh, bachelor's and master's in accounting, uh, but was really talented in marketing. So I had her stand up this marketing company that serves actually it serves accounting firms. And one of the biggest components of their the services of that company is branding, is to help you develop a proper brand so that when we actually market you, <laughs> we're marketing you and your message correctly, telling your story correctly, and making sure that you stand out right above the crowd. Um, and now we're hitting your target market instead of just everybody. Um, and so that going back to ProAdvisor CPA, branding is extremely important for us. We want to make sure that our first impression is the right impression. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you do that? What's the process that entrepreneurs should go through? What's that, what's that exercise they should go through to do that? Uh, well, I can say that's a long process, but uh, a quick pointer is you, you asked a little bit of this earlier. Um, what do you do to make sure you don't make a branding mistake and i think something the biggest mistake we all do is we try to make the brand about us and granted it is and the brand story is about the founder's story but the, your brand is for your customer right if, right if this was a story you're writing for your customer then in that story your customer is actually the hero right he's batman and you're alfred you're the guy you're you know he's luke, luke skywalker right and you're you're yoda or obi-wan and so I think a lot of entrepreneurs get that mixed up. They make themselves the hero and they make the whole message and the whole brand of the company about the founder when it should be about the customer. Yeah. I've seen that so many times and that's great advice because I think, um, I, what I've done a lot of times with founders is I've walked them through a customer persona exercise. Like, who is this for? Who are you trying to sell to? Because ultimately, when you can define that, then that dictates the story you're trying to tell. And in some ways, it helps you to craft a brand. And, and without that first objective, you have the, the problem you're trying to solve. Next is who you're trying to sell it to. Like, without those two components, like, the brand really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you call it until you really define those two things. And, uh, and so I'm glad you said that because I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs overlook that key component when they're thinking about growing a, a startup. And it's such a critical thing because 
it's not that rebranding ends up killing your company. In some ways, it could create new momentum. But if you do it wrong, then it's much, you make it harder on yourself to grow a business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so talk about, you guys were, you and your wife were on the, on the show last year. How much yeah. progress have you made since then? One's changed. Obviously the brand has changed, but what, what else is, what have you guys been doing since then? Well, since then, uh, like you said, we rebranded, we've kind of refocused and making sure our, our services are more pinpointed, um, to exactly what our customers need. Um, we've kind of refocused a lot when it comes to the internal of the company of, of how we're servicing our clients, how we're making sure that there's a customer satisfaction going on and that we're, you know, with them through their journey. And we're not just someone that they sign up for. And all of a sudden they don't talk to anybody for six months. We want to make sure that they know that we're in their back pocket whenever they need us. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, external internal stuff with the company happening. Uh, and then on our end as the, the owners, um, you know, I spent some time in Silicon Valley. I was, you know, you know, I was with Bunker Labs and I was running an incubator out of their office in San Francisco. And, and I spent a lot of time out there in the VC world. And something that, you know, came onto my heart during that time was uh, the concept of business, right? The concept of using business for good and, and being an, a positive impact on society and, and making sure that business isn't just about money. And so that's, uh, I came up with this uh, brand, you, you can call us ProAdvisor Brands, and that's where some of this ProAdvisor branding has come from. It's ProAdvisor Brands itself is an entity that I put together that is some, almost like an account, accountability partner for um, other who we would call ProAdvisors. And so uh, there's a piece of it uh, that we, we like to say that, uh, you know, we want to help raise a new class of what we call warrior leaders or ProAdvisors who do the right things for the right reasons. Uh, who fight to make our nation better through through business. And so that's kind of this core branding concept that ProAdvisor CPA and then the marketing firm we talked about are falling under, that it's kind of an accountability, making sure that they have some form of corporate social responsibility that goes beyond money and it goes beyond helping impact uh, our communities and our, and our country in a better way. So how does that work? Like how, how, that's not really a business, is it? So what we're doing is we're using that to build a community. And the, okay. the idea is it's a community and it's more geared towards the accounting space, which is where the pro advisor key term comes from. And so it's, it's a community of what we would call pro advisor professional service providers. So accountants, bookkeepers, people like that. And it's them basically joining other people who are saying, we're not just here for money, right? <laughs> we're not just starting our companies for money. We're doing more with our, our services. We're doing more with our, our business efforts. We're doing more than just taking up a storefront right outside of uh, a main street. There's more going on here. And it's something that's helping push, you know, push the needle forward and push society forward in the right direction with whatever span of control we have. Got it. And so the accountability, how, what, how does that mechanism work? Yeah. So for example, with ProAdvisor uh, CPA and ProAdvisor uh, marketing, there's a, uh, depending on CPA has some different regulations, but there's uh, we we've invested in provider marketing and we're you know part owner in that company. And part of that ownership is, is, you know, being it's, it's this uh, agreement that the marketing company and the CPA firm are doing more than just making money. Does that make sense? So we have the accountability part. What, what's the future of, of pro advisor, what do you hope that this brand becomes? 
Um, I, I just really, I hope that, you know, for me, uh, like we've talked about some of my background and some of the things I've done. And, and I, you know, sometimes, you know, as an individual, especially as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship can be lonely, right? And yeah. sometimes for, for those of us in those shoes, you get to a point where you go, well, what the heck is all this for anyways? <laughs> you know, and yeah. you want to, and especially someone like myself, if you're a type A personality, you, you, if you're anything like me, you've constantly got this, this churning within you to be doing something that's just a little bit more whether it's going to the next level or, you know, getting better and refining yourself through personal development or whatever. But for me, it's, it's more on like the purpose in life. It's why do I have these businesses? Why am I working with these entrepreneurs? Why am I putting my time into this? Why, why do I spend, you know, why do I carve out time for my family and, and spend time with my children? And I'm the type of person that needs to have a little bit of that bigger purpose. And that's why I keep circling back to that same saying of like more than money. Like I'm not just in business to make money or to pay my employees. There's a bigger reason why I'm in business. And that's something that for me anyways, is important to have. That makes sense. What, if anything, has this current pandemic that we're going through, what has, ha- has it impacted your business at all? Or what have you had to do to, to, uh, to pivot or adjust your business? Yeah, I mean, it, it has. I'm, and I'm assuming that it's impacted the majority of you know businesses in the country in one way or another, whether good or bad, right? Some some places are probably doing fantastic, like Costco, right, or Walmart. Uh, but for us, yeah, there was a there was an initial shock. Uh, there was a moment within two weeks where it, it seemed like there was two weeks of just everyone <laughs> going out of business. It felt like, and so it's because of all of our clients are small businesses. We definitely saw that from the inside out. We saw people just boom, that was it for them. Um, I also saw, and this is what I believe is that tough times like this, it shows people's true colors. And I've seen people be fantastic individuals, whether they're business owners, you know, or employees at a company, I've seen companies really come out and just do some amazing things. Uh, I've also seen the opposite from the inside out. I've seen people who are horrible people, who were business owners and they had their franchises, for example. And then instead of trying, instead of helping that their employees, which some of them are probably breadwinners for their families or furloughing them or doing anything to support them, they just fired and fired everybody, right? 150 people on the spot, boom, fired. Business is shut down. We're done because we're wealthy and we're well taken care of and we don't really care. And, and unfortunately I saw beyond that and saw like, wow, there's 150 human beings that you also didn't care about. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that bothers me and it bothered me. Uh, but for us, uh, about a month back into it, we actually started getting in, uh, holding strong and started getting in more clients this year than we did last year, which I think is, mm-hmm. is a good sign. There's, there's those companies who maybe weren't doing so well and this pandemic ended it for them. And then there's the other people who were doing things the right way, running their business the right way, taking care of the people the right way. Now they're going, I'm growing and I need help. Right. I don't have time to do my books or do my own taxes or what have you. And so that's kind of what we've been seeing. What would you advise entrepreneurs do right now that maybe they weren't thinking of before? What, what, what advice do you have for them to, to be able to ride out this crisis? Well, the first thing is, well, obviously you want to be smart, but the first thing is don't give up. Right. Don't, don't, give up on your your dream or your passion or your business whatever it is don't give up on that just because there's 
you know, a couple months that are tough, right? We're going to all spring back. This is America. <laughs> We're really good at like getting better after something bad that happens. Um, the other thing is do your, do your research. You know, your business is, is your business. So if you didn't get the PPP loan or if you didn't get an SBA loan or you didn't get some kind of financial support during this crisis, I would, and I, this might sound harsh, but there's, you know, there, there's information out there. You can go find it. So if you didn't get it, I think that just is a little bit of not going out and putting as much effort in as maybe you should as an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur should be out there being scrappy and they should be finding all of these resources that this government has been signing away at, at you know, Washington to, to give to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, this has been great. I, there's one question I always ask at the end, which is, What's that one thing that you have learned through your entire entrepreneurial process that you wish you would have known earlier? And what's that one thing that you screwed up that you're like, I will never screw that up again? I think the most important thing is to remember to be human, Uh, be a genuine person. You know, don't be, don't be somebody you're not. Don't be fake. Don't try to be, the greatest salesman in the world. Don't try to be, you know, an Inc. 500 company if you're not, right? Don't be, pretend you're on Forbes if you're not. Be a genuine, authentic person. Uh, you know, care about people. I think that's something that I could have done better in the beginning or in the beginning of any venture I started in my lifetime is just treat people better. Um, mm-hmm. I just, personally, I'm just tired of seeing people treat each other like crap. And I see it a lot when it comes to business. It's, it's the look after me no one's going to take care of me, but me mindset. And I don't like that. And I, I think that kind of sucks. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Anything you want to leave before we, uh, we wrap it up here? Um, well, I would like to say thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's great. It's always great talking to you, Josh. I know I've, you, you've had some, some, uh, I've seen you go from, you know, one stage of your life to some other opportunities. And, um, it's, it's always great to talk about something like this and, and get on and talk about, you know, why we're actually in business and what were some of the cool background behind the scenes stories for getting involved in what, you know, some of us are out there doing today. No, I pre- I've always appreciated you, man. You, and, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of you and everything you've done for the VIR program. And, and um, it's just there there's there's so much work that needs to be done out there. Veterans um, represent a fraction of the overall venture capital that's deployed every year. And, and that needs to change. I think that veteran entrepreneurs are built differently. They're far better and far well equipped, far better equipped to handle adversity. And I think they make amazing, uh, amazing founders. And the more that we can prop that up through either a podcast or through programming or through just one-on-one conversations i'm here for it and i I know you are as well and i appreciate that and uh so the one last thing i will do is that we haven't done yet is where can people find you yeah i I think personally for me the easiest place to find me is on linkedin if you go to linkedin and look for eric with a k you're a k caseras that's c-a-s-a-r-e-z that's the easiest way to find me otherwise you know you can find our businesses on their domains at provisorcpa.com or advisor-marketing.com I love it Eric thank you so much for coming on the show come back again let's uh, let's do this again I love it and uh, and have a wonderful day
Definitely. Thanks, Josh. And you too. Yeah. You've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.